Welcome to American Players Theater Talk Backs to Go. I'm Buzz Kemper, and I invite you to take a walk up the hill with Orange Schroeder and me as Orange talks with director William Brown and actor Laura Rook about APT's 2017 production of Three Sisters by Anton Chekhov in a new version by Susan Coyne. We're discussing Anton Chekhov's Three Sisters today. And I'm fortunate to have with me William Brown, who is directing it, and Laura Rook, who is playing one of the three sisters, Olga. And I wanted to start out by uh, talking about Moscow. Uh, hmm. One of my favorite quotes is, uh, Bill says in his director's notes, that Moscow is not that far away. What does Moscow mean uh, in a sort of symbolic and, and real way in Three Sisters? You go. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, I think, you know, we've... We have been talking about it all last week in our first week of rehearsal and just in terms of we all have these personal limitations, right? Like we all have these dreams and, oh, if only I could and if, you know, if only I could be a movie star, well, then if I want to be a movie star, I should move to Los Angeles and I should try and be a movie star, but I'm in Spring Green, Wisconsin doing classical theater. You know, so what is, what are you, what are your real goals and what are the goals and dreams that change throughout the course of your life? And I think... For all of these three sisters, Moscow is a great idea, but they all have different levels of what that really means, if they were to really go or if they were to really pursue that. And then also, like, what are the limitations? And maybe you start to like your life in the small town, and maybe you start to like being a teacher. Maybe you start to like, you know, different aspects of of what that is, but you don't want to admit that to yourself and... All those very human, complicated uh, emotions, I think, are going on. There are all three of them, really, uh, that put those limitations on, on the girls. And early on, it really becomes the mantra of the youngest right. uh, sister, Irina. And uh, <laughs> yesterday we worked on the staging for Act Two, and there's a series of events uh, her sister and her brother-in-law come in and all they can talk about is what happened at school today. Uh, her brother comes in uh, and, and he's going out to drink with uh, this the, the new man who showed up at their house. And it's a series of people coming and going who do not speak to her. And, you know, we had a discussion about, you know, and, and Rebecca Hurd, who's magnificent, said, well, should I move about? And I said, I think you should sit in that chair until the end of the play. And she sat there, and she has, the end of Act Two is, I'm going to misquote it, to Moscow, to Moscow, to Moscow. And it seems like such a big thing if you're doing a read-through, but having sat there as all of the people in her life ignored her, as she became invisible, she had everything she needed to say that. In other words, it's not just a place, it's an idea. It's an idea from their past. It's an idea that um, it springs from what they remember of when their mother and father were alive. Uh, Is it realistic? Are any of our dreams realistic? (laughs) Right. Well, and and I think especially in Chekhov, there's a certain inertia, um, you know, the feeling that life is is full of of suffering and and not being able to get where you want. I was going back through the records of uh, all the plays that APT has done over the years and realized that in the first four or five years of the theater, they did, of course, a lot of Shakespeare, but they also did a lot of Chekhov. They did. 
And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what, uh, what Chekhov brings to the stage. What's special about him? Well, I have to start by saying it, it's an actor's dream. I, I, I mean, right? Yes. I mean, and a director's. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, you cannot have a lot of crap. You've got to go right down the center of this. Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, you know, in, at a moment in history where truth seems pretty slippery, we have to tell the truth. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's an actor's dream because it's... Uh, you know, everybody talks about how it's, it's, he's the king of subtext and you don't always have everything on the page like you would in like a Shakespeare play. Like you have monologues and soliloquies of going through all of your inner thoughts and your secrets and all of that. And in Chekhov, you, everything that's on the page is all of these clues and hints into your your subtext, your, your fantasies, your dreams, and you get to fill in these gaps in this really kind of great way with your fellow actors. And, and I think it's an actor's dream because of that, because of the intimacy that you get to create with your family, with your stage family, and who you're in love with and who you're not in love with, and, and build all of these, you know, imaginary things about, about each other. Um, and that's what makes it dreamy because it, it feels so it feels so much like life. It feels so much like sometimes you don't always say everything that you mean or your confrontations are complicated and clouded and hidden and um, secrets. There's a lot of secrets in Chekhov. Yeah. I, I also, and for an audience, if properly fleshed out, right. it, it's about them. It's about the ordinariness of our own lives. I mean, actual events happen in the play. Uh, there's two extramarital atta- uh, affairs. There, half a neighborhood burns down. There's a violent death. There's stuff. Mm-hmm. But what is most riveting is, is the personal cost of not understanding what you want out of life. Uh, and, and, there, and everyone, not just the sisters, uh, is faced with a moment, uh, is faced with, is this what I was supposed to do? And we all must do that at some point, right? Uh, I, 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 think, I think it's terribly modern. I don't think it's weird or random, and even though that may appear that way on the, on the, on the, script, on the page, but one has to find out how you get from A to Z to K totally. to 3, <laughs> Right. right. <laughs> Right? I mean, yeah. that's part of our, our job. And you mentioned that it, the story is modern in some ways, but will it be set in a traditional Russian setting? It is, uh, very much so. Uh, I've moved it up a few years. Uh, I've, uh, it was written in 1901. Uh, it's usually played in that first five, five years or so of the, of the 20th century, and I've moved it right up against... It, the play takes place over about five years, so we've moved it to around 1910, so that the war that those boys go off to is World War One, and the next step is the Russian Revolution. So it, it sort of hangs over it. it. It's allowed us to... I think that the 20th century starts with World War One, and uh, so Act One is very much the 19th century. I mean, it's beautiful, it's idyllic, it's ladies in white, it's everything but croquet. And then act two, oh, 
oh, we're here. You just went to work and you came home tired. You know, it's, it's, it's given us a nice visual to, to explore. And can you talk a little bit about the version that you're using? Um, Susan Coyne did it for the Shaw Festival in 2003. Um, she's a Canadian actor. Um, is her adaptation different in any way in terms of um, translation and, and the use of, of language? We read a lot of them, a lot of them. And hers was the cleanest, the least translation-y, you know that word, translation-y. Uh, I mean, it didn't go out of its way to say, hey, I'm a translation. Uh, it, it, I, I think it's, it's speakable. Do you, do you yeah, agree? Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I mean, yeah. I didn't read as nearly many yeah. as, as yeah. you did, but it, feels, it just feels like a play. It doesn't feel right. like a translation. Right. It doesn't feel like right. clunky in any way, Right. which is really nice. It really was the clear winner. Yeah. And Laura, you play the oldest of the sisters, uh, a spinster, and at one point you say that you would have married any man, even an old man, if he had asked. So obviously marriage is a, a major theme in the play and, um, and at the time. Can you talk a little bit about what it meant in that family and in that society? Sure, yeah. I mean, again, it's not, it's not too far from today. I think when a woman reaches a certain age... There is, a, there is a clock that starts ticking. And, you know, when you reach your 30s and your 40s and you go, oh, wait, I'm, I'm not married or I don't have kids. I mean, I think that's not for every woman, but I think it's something that you do think about. And, uh, and for these women, yes, of course, we're at a time when, you know, it is required of you to get married. It's expected of you to be married I don't even know if women could own property at the right, time, probably right. by themselves. But um, it is something that Olga, I think, desperately wants. I think she would really love to be a mother and a wife. And it just isn't in the cards for her. So she teaches. And she gets to be around kids that way. And she has a lot of maternal instincts in her family, being the oldest sister and taking care of Anfisa and all of these things, but um, yeah, I think I think the themes and the and the longing to be to be married are I don't know I think those are kind of timeless. To find your partner, to find love, to find happiness is something that's twenty seventeen still, you know. Um, and and in many ways, I think a little bit different for men because at the time that Chekhov excuse me, wrote the play, he was called Russian's most elusive literary bachelor. <laughs> and uh, he actually died um, at age 44, having just married a few years before that, mm. right. um, which is interesting because marriage becomes so much of a goal for the women. Sure. But, but clearly for, for men, they had more options available. I yeah. mean, it's interesting. You know, we're, we're, and we knew this going in, but really, we're really enjoying the rather terrific feminist strand that runs through this. Yeah. This is their general, a general's daughter who has insisted that his daughters be educated. They speak many languages. They, uh, they have talents. They have, they're, they're far more educated than they need in this provincial town, and that's part of the problem. And one of them is in a bad marriage that she contracted when she was too early to know. Uh, uh, 
Olga has a career, and Irina has three suitors that she's not much interested in. Right. And kind of gets married because, well, she's got to do something. So, uh, but, but the, the mores of the time, the, you know, the brother, I don't want to give it too many details away, but the brother has certain um, advantages, <laughs> like going out at night to bars uh, um, that the sisters don't, but they were, left, um, they were left the house together, all four of them. So the... the um alternations between hope and despair are different for the men and for the women. Yeah, and I think between the three sisters as well. I think I think all three of those girls have different yeah. different dreams and different goals and different hopes. And I do think it's it's very feminine and feminist in that way of yeah. they they are all at three different you know parts of their lives and right. times and uh what we kind of keep talking about in the room is how you know i want what masha has and masha wants what right. you know i have and arena wants a little bit of what i have but not maybe and you know there's all this kind of coveting that we do as human beings when we go oh look at that over there that looks better and you know grass is always greener type thing for all three of them and so i think their hopes and their despairs change as they grow up together and witness each other's lives. So the relationship among sisters is also part of what he's exploring, obviously, from mm-hmm. the title. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I would think that it would help that APT having a core company, you know the other women that you're acting with. Mm-hmm. So they're not sisters, but they're colleagues. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is sister number three that I've played with, Kelsey Brennan. So mm-hmm. we're... We're well versed in <laughs> playing <laughs> sisters together, but and you know and yeah, she's you know one of my dear friends and uh, Rebecca too and and Nate. I mean, they I, we are all kind of this family that forms when you do work together over and over again, and you get intimate with each other in this business pretty easily. So, so forming a family on stage is much different because in you have relationships that you can relate to. You know, yeah, already it makes it kind of yeah. yeah, it's fun. It was, it was one of the best first reads I've ever been a part of. Wow. They were amazing. But partly because they, they are a family. And, um, Bill, you've done Cherry Orchard and, and mm-hmm. a, a lot of Chekhov. What, what do you love about Chekhov's plays? I love how funny they are. I love how devastating they are. Uh, and, and, you know, you talk about I, I, the events of the play, and, and there are plenty, but the things that... I, I actually think one of the most tragic lines in all theatrical history is when Arena says, I've forgotten the Italian word for window. That's the loss of a, a culture, a brain, an education. It, it devastates me. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't wait to see this one on stage. Thank you both so much for Thank bringing you. it to life. Thank you. Talkbacks to Go is a production of Orange Tree Imports and Audio for the Arts. Our theme music is Er by Steve Tibbetts, and it appears here by permission of the artist, courtesy of ECM Records. Please find us on iTunes and YouTube under APT Talkbacks to Go. With Orange Schroeder, I'm Buzz Kemper. Thank you for listening.